And a great golf good morning to you. Welcome to the show. The Back Nine Boys Golf Show is brought to you by Mizuno Golf Reach Beyond, by Club Car, the leader in sport utility and personal vehicles, by RSM, proud sponsor of the RSM Classic, giving back to our community, and by Bridgestone Golf. Get fitted for your Tour B ball today. On the show, we're going to have a great week. We talked with uh, Trip Davis of Trip Davis and Associates from Norman, Oklahoma. Trip just finished restoring the Atlanta Athletic Club's Riverside course, a course that he played growing up in Atlanta. Then we'll talk with Matt Regan of Operation 36, which teaches you how to play golf, and his book, How to Create a Junior Golfer. And if you like to travel, you want to listen to our interview with Perry Golf's president, Gordon Daglish. His company arranges golf trips and cruises wherever you want to go. So let's get started with our interview with Trip Davis, who just finished restoring the Atlanta Athletic Club's Riverside course. Trip and I talked at the AAC just a few days after opening for the members. Well, here it was, uh, you know, it was going to be something I would, um, a job of a lifetime, and is the way I kind of thought of it, looked at it, because I grew up uh, playing golf around here. And uh, there's not a golf course club in, in Georgia, not too many in the country that have as much history. And the opportunity to work on Riverside actually first is, uh, is really interesting, was really um, something I was really wanted to do. So I, worked, I didn't want to get outworked. And did the establishment of the name of the Atlantic Athletic Club, did that scare you? Did that make you nervous about if you got the job? Um, no, because I grew up around it. Okay. And so, um, I mean, I, this was always one of the, the places. I mean, when you got to play here, and I got to play here probably three or four times when I was a kid, um, you know, it was the place to go play. It had all the history, the great golf, and and so, um, you know, it was, it was something I really wanted to be a part of. Uh, I wasn't scared about it. And when you first looked at the course, obviously you have to come in with a game plan to the to the committee and everything. But when you first came in and took a look at the property, what kind of thoughts did you have first off? Well, the first thing that I saw was that the design was more penal in nature. It was more about making it difficult. Um, and uh, I really wanted the golf course to be more strategic in nature. That's more of my approach anyway. And um, so I, I saw the opportunity to build something here that could be set up to be uh, fun to play, but also could be a stern challenge when you wanted it to be. And then the other thing I saw was, was getting the golf course to fit into the landscape a little more naturally than it had been. And uh, those were the two main things I saw. But, um, and that was the, generally what they wanted to accomplish anyway. And once you got started, um, one of the things that I heard you say in the, in the talk that you gave was that you decided to be here to be present, which I think is great because it gave you more insight. And if there were some issues, you were right on top of it. Yeah, and I, that's something I've, I've learned. I mean, uh, being a golf course architect is part business, part creative, part passion. And um, uh, I've tried to make it less of a business now. I want it to be more about passion and just being on, on site uh, quite frequently. I've gone away from uh, wanting to do, you know, four or five, six projects at a time, and um, we're trying to just do one or two. And this was uh, the one that we had uh, along with Thunderbird in Palm Springs last year. And uh, Augusta Country Club snuck up and asked us to do some work uh, as well. But um, it was a great experience to be here. Having grown up here and getting to spend, you know, eight months basically here quite a bit, uh, it's changed a lot. 
but uh, it was it's great to be here, and I love spending time here. And now that you're done, you take a look at what you and your team have accomplished. What are your thoughts? I couldn't be more proud. I mean, it's hard to, you know, you, I'm not one that really blows things out of proportion maybe, but the first couple times I've played it, you know, I'm, I, I, I truthfully am um, in awe at what we did. I, 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 and every time I see something, there's not much I would change. There's hardly, I mean, there's little things we need to improve upon, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, it was a team effort. I mean, I was the guiding light, I guess you would say, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't shape any bunkers. I, you know, I shaped greens. That was about it. And the, and the work these guys did, uh, it's just phenomenal. And you wanted to bring, or the course wanted to bring in the river a little bit more and, um, Riverside, obviously. So you've opened that up a little bit. We did, and we tried to do it in such a way that you, more players got to experience it. Because uh, you mean by hitting balls in the water, or just no. looking at it, <laughs> more by seeing it. Yeah. Because uh, previously uh, it was on the tee boxes, and so you know, and, and there were different variances of, uh, you know, if you were playing the front tee, you didn't get to see the feel of water much. Right. So we tried to bring greens to the water. Uh, so we got uh, four green closer to the water. 13 green closer to the water and 14 green closer to the water. We got the whole 14th hole closer. And so um, uh, that was a really fun part about um, getting those holes to where you felt the river. Because, I mean, growing up here, you know, the Chattahoochee is an iconic thing. And you really, you know, it is an iconic place. If you ever take, you know, a little boat ride through there, it's just, it's steeped in history everywhere. It's pretty cool. And how cool would it be for this course, after you've worked with it, to have a championship here? Um, you know, it's it's it would be interesting. Um, you know, the fact that um, they're going to have the U.S. Amateur here. They'll play match play on Highlands, but they'll play stroke play uh, here, and the women um, will do the same. Um, and there's a chance that they may play the U.S. Girls Junior here on Riverside in 25. They only play one course. And so, you know, that's great. Um, and it's, it'll be fun. Um, I think as much as anything, I just love to, to see the members being able to enjoy it. Um, and, uh, um, but it'll be fun. I, I think that, that Riverside will host some stuff. And, and um, I'm the architect with the club now, so we'll do some stuff to Highlands to get it ready for the USAM. And so the whole club as a whole... Uh, that, you know, I don't know if you know, but, you know, the, the USAM in 2030 is a 100-year anniversary of Bobby Jones winning the Grand Slam. So they're going to play the U.S. Open at Marion, where he had won the amateur that year. They're going to play here for the amateur USAM. And then the two British um, Open and AMs are going to be played at the courses he won at. And so that'll be a pretty cool year. That is Trip Davis, who uh, grew up in Atlanta and one of the leading restor- restoration specialists in the U.S., Besides designing courses, Tripp's a very good golfer. In fact, one hole that he got a nine on during a tournament, he changed on the Riverside course. I would have, too. Up next is Matt Regan, president of Operation 36, and how to build and create a junior golfer is his new book. We'll talk about that. But if you're looking for new clubs, you might want to try and take a look at the Mizuno Irons, long known as some of the best irons in the game. The 923, 925s, they will definitely improve your game. And then the Mizuno irons will also help you reach beyond. Add to that their driver, their fairway metals, their hybrids are great. 
and you're on your way to your game improvement. Try the new models of Mizuno putters as well, blades and mallets, and check out everything at MizunoGolf.com, including their new stand bags. Mizuno Golf, reach beyond. Hey, guys, my name's Chesson Hadley. I play golf on the PGA Tour, and I'm on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Our next guest is Matt Regan of Operation 36 from where we moved from, Raleigh, North Carolina. Morning, Matt, and welcome to the Back Nine Boys Golf Podcast. How are you? I'm good, Rich. How are you? Wonderful. Well, it was good to see you in uh, Chapel Hill at the Governor's Club a couple of months ago at a charity function. Um, first time, I think, that you and I had ever met face-to-face, or maybe the second. But tell me more and tell our listeners about Operation 36. Yeah, Operation 36 is a developmental golf program that you can find at over 670 locations at your local golf facility around the country ran by golf professionals. And the whole goal is to give someone a great experience from their first round and then give them a complete plan until they can shoot par, the score of 36 or better, from the full tee box. So it's really designed to be more of a long-term golf development program where juniors or adults can come weekly to a one-hour class with led by golf pros. And then they play nine holes every other week or once a month, depending on your facility. But you're going to use our kind of unique playing format where we start everybody close to the hole, 25 yards from the hole. We call that level one. And you're actually going to play nine holes from there, try to shoot the score of 36 or even par from there. And then once you do, uh, we back you up to level two, 50 yards from the hole. So it's really about giving everybody – a clear path to learn to play golf, but actually get you on the golf course and then support you with coaching and technology that just makes it fun every step of the way to learn the game of golf. And, Matt, what are the ages that you can start someone in the program? Typically, ages for juniors is seven and up, and then anybody, any adult can learn. Actually, half of our participants um, this year were adults. Um, and out of those adults, the new participants, 70% were ladies, believe it or not. Really? It's, uh, yeah, it's becoming uh, quite the, and it's not something we've really done. It's just kind of happened organically um, because the way you introduce a junior or any beginner, there's just some core fundamentals you have to have in place that when you do it makes it really fun, enjoyable, and, and golfers can see progression. Well, one of the biggest, I guess, growths in the golf business is juniors and women right now. Ever since COVID, it seems to have grown even more. Absolutely. Yeah, we're seeing it on our, uh, we're, we have the data to show it as yeah. well, and it sounds like it's across the entire board, and um, it's just neat to see that it's being receptive, because those are the two under, it, they have been or been discussed for years in the industry as the two underserved uh, markets right. that need to uh, need to grow, and uh, we're happy that people are coming into the game of golf with Operation 36. Yeah. How did you come up with the, uh, with the idea? Uh, so... Ryan Daly and I are two golf professionals that uh, met at Campbell University, and uh, we had the shared passion of wanting to start a long-term junior golf program. Ryan was the director of the golf management program, assistant director, and he had the opportunity to start a program at Campbell University's course called Keith Hill. So he asked me to team up with him, and uh, I've so the basic impetus was, hey, if we could get the kids to come every single week for the entire golf season – we'd have a better chance to turning them into an experienced golfer. We were trying to create college athletes at the time, okay, right? Okay. And then we got three kids to sign up, and, and then we said, oh, no, we got three kids to sign up. What do we do with them every week? How do we show that they're progressing? How do we make the classes fun? How do we make sure they're becoming golfers? 
and we've been doing that for the last 12 years. So it's taken it's taken a long time to kind of figure out what pieces need to be in place. Um, but that's how it started. It was just two of us, and now we've got, you know, in 2016, we had a lot of golf pros reaching out saying, hey, we'd love to use the yeah. – the program, the curriculum, and, and now we license the program to other golf professionals to run at their facility. Well, when you and I first talked, and it was not long after starting Operation 36, how has the growth been from then to where you are now? Yeah, we started from, uh, you know, three kids in North Carolina, and, and now we have, uh, we started licensing the program in 2016 to other golf professionals. We now have over 1,400 golf pros and 670 locations that are using Operation 36 around the country and around the world. And uh, we also have uh, have seen over 100,000 participants now come through the program. And uh, so it's been it's been kind of a neat, fun ride. And we have a big, audacious goal of creating a million new golfers or introducing a million new golfers to the game. And that's what we're focused on now, finding more program locations, more golf facilities to run the program. And uh, to have hotbeds for people to plug into if they want a great experience to get introduced to golf. And how do you get a course to become involved with your program if they aren't now? Yeah, we have a we have a team of fifteen <laughs> team members. Uh, actually, a lot of golf pros on our staff. We're now a, uh, our parent company is the beginning of this year is now Golf Genius Software. So we have on the Golf Genius team. We've got over sixty PGA professionals on our team that are reaching out and uh, saying, "Hey, we have a program that you can run." And then any facility that's interested, it's just setting up a call with our team. There's a bunch of links on our website to schedule a call, see if it's a fit. And uh, we can turn on the software, put you on as a location, get you all the resources for the golf pro. And uh, and then the pro can put their registration live and start inviting families to register. So it's, anyone can also find a location right on our program map find your local location and at the turn of the year they'll be able to actually see all the classes that they can register for and um, to make it as seamless as possible to get in. And the big deal that you guys had announced in the last couple of years was this partnership with Golf Genius. What has that meant to your program? Yeah, it's been phenomenal. So Ryan and I have, you know, we've, we've actually been a bootstrap company since day one. And so we were, you know, from building uh, a large part of what Operation 36 is, is we decided to build our own technology to shape the experience on the way into golf, give golf coaches the tools to be successful, but also give golfers the tools to be successful to guide them in their journey. And so doing that on your own with no capital, no funding, and no partnerships in the industry is really challenging. Uh, But we, uh, you know, we actually approached Golf Genius last year, um, with the effort of building a registration engine and through a lot of discussion, there was just so much, uh, common overlap and, uh, a lot of mutual partnership benefits when they, they said, you know, we think there's opportunity here for us to just come in under the brand of golf genius and we can provide you with the uh, resources and capital to grow. They have a massive software development team and, uh, a lot of golf pros on the team. We share the common mission, and they really are getting into coaching. And so they they love our mission and what we're doing, and have been instrumental in helping us get get kind of uh, I would say accelerating everything that we've wanted to do. So it's been a lot of fun now that we have kind of the resources to accelerate everything, and we've only been a part of the company for seven months. So. Right. Yeah. Because that happened just after the PGA show last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in February. Was our official coming together and. Um, you know, we've been learning a lot together, but there's, they're just such a great team, and it's, 
it's fun to find. I don't think you'll find any uh, other company in the industry that has 60 golf professionals that are serving other golf professionals and uh, are just trying to make the game more fun and easier on the golf pro to, you know, save them time, make it more fun and help them earn more revenue while creating great exceptional golf experiences for, for golfers. And with 60 PGA pros and, uh, I believe we're up to close to 100 software developers. It's fun because we can lean into technology and just, um, I don't think you'll find a team that has both of those things together um, with great leadership from uh, Mike, uh, Mike Zisman and Chris Kalmeyer, who are the CEOs of the company. So it's been, it's been great. How can people find out more, Matt, about the program? Uh, if you want to, if you just do a quick search on Google for Operation 36, or you can go to operation36.golf. And uh, you can learn a little bit more about the program there. And then there's a big orange button on the site to find your local program location. It'll show a landing page for each location that's near you, and you can fill out the form for more information. And then at the turn of the year, if it's a public facility, most, most public facilities will be putting their classes live that you can actually go and see the dates and learn more about it and the golf pros information so you can figure out if it might be a fit for you. And what do you see, Matt, and your partners of Golf Genius, what do you see is in the future for Operation 36 besides a tremendous amount of growth? Yeah, we're really, right now we're really focused on how do we uh, continue to get distribution because we have more demand of golfers who want our program than we have program locations. So hmm. uh, we are trying to, we have a lot of folks reaching out on our website on a daily basis. Um, and it's, it's somewhat organic, which has been great. We haven't had a lot of marketing dollars to spend on growth. But the word is traveling about, you know, the program and making it fun to get into the game. So we're, we're really focused on how do we get more distribution out there, which is just uh, getting more golf facilities uh, to maybe offer one or two, two classes a week. So that way we can help fill some spots. And then we're leaning uh, full tilt into our technology, which just makes it, you know, we, we have a lot of fun tools for our, our golfers where, you know, we have a play GPS uh, feature where they can easily find their tee box and it makes it a fun experience for juniors and for adults, kind of gamified where they earn points for playing and practicing. Um, they have their curriculum in there, all the tools that they need to engage with their coach, you know, similar to say like a like a Facebook group or something like that where they can see we're all about building community um, and and then also just connecting all these people around the uh, around the world that are learning the game in the same way together um, it just makes it more of a global experience that you feel like you're a part of something bigger and we're able to do that through the technology and uh, and just our network of golf pros we're you know we have an amazing network of 1400 golf pros and we're all working together to say hey how can we improve the beginner golf experience how do we improve the introduction to golf right so i just can't imagine now that we have the resources we have of where we'll be in the next three years and what the introduction to golf will look like through technology and also just great programming delivered by exceptional golf pros and will mcgurk pga tour pro a friend of mine used to caddy for will uh but uh will is also a parent of an operation 36 player yeah, yeah. We, you know, we were surprised a couple of years ago, got a nice phone call from Will, and uh, it was awesome to meet him. And he told us the story of his son, you know, going through uh, the program at Spartanburg Country Club um, under the direction of Kevin Britt, who was one of the coaches that licensed, an amazing coach who licensed the uh, program there. And uh, Will fell in love with the program because he's, you know, he, he, he is a tour pro, have, has the 
I guess, the aha moments to him where, wow, you guys actually get the kids on the golf course. You yeah. give them a small, achievable goal to hit. And uh, his son went through and played his first nine holes without 36 from 25 yards away. And he was really close to shooting 36. He ended up, I think, doubling the last couple of holes and shot a 38 or a 39. Wow. And uh, he said at dinner that night, uh, he, uh, his his son said, hey, Dad, can we go to the putting green? I didn't putt real well today. <laughs> and, and so Will called us the next day after that. He said I, I, it was amazing to see how the program worked to intrinsically motivate him to go out and do that without me asking him. And uh, it just fired him right up, you know, because obviously any dad of a that's a golfer or mom that's a golfer, we just, we want our kids to love what we love and um you know it's just uh i it was such a cool story and he's been such a great supporter he's been you know putting the op 36 logo on his bag and he's got it on his back um uh for pro bono for since since then so we've been super appreciative of will and all his efforts well maybe uh will's son one day will help will with his putting when will says hey i didn't putt very well this past weekend will you go out with me (laughs) (laughs) that's right how cool would that be (laughs) well tell us about the book i was uh fascinated by it how to create a junior golfer um and part of that obviously ties into your program yeah yeah so what you know we we get asked a lot of questions from folks over the years of what is the best way or what are the fundamentals or the principles that you guys have seen over the last 12 years and we just wanted to get it into a short form book format and ryan daly who's who again, I mentioned that I started this with, he really spearheaded this project for us and, and said, look, we got to get this, we got to get this down to say, this is, you know, the, I guess the foundation of, of having a plan in place and how we look at developing a golfer. These are what we're teaching our golf pros. Um, anyone who comes into the program, the model, you know, having the nine hole events, having the weekly classes, how we structure the weekly classes, and it just gets everybody aligned before you start. And yeah. if you have a plan in place before you start the journey and a book you can hand a parent and say, this is the model we're using at our facility to, to develop your golfer, to develop right. your junior right. over the next 10 years, it just sets everybody at ease. Because we've seen a lot of negative experiences at the golf course, you know, where a parent maybe is putting their own expectations on a junior. You know, we are trying to set small achievable goals and, we tell we we give a lot of tips in the book for parents to start to think the long term, start to understand that, you know, you don't want your kid to peak early. You actually want them to peak later, and right. it's okay. It's a journey. It's going to take a while, and they're going to come in and out of golf, and their interests are going to change. And we talk about the player development tracks that we have, where a junior is going to start as an exploratory golfer, and then over time as their skill develops and as they get more engaged in the game, then they might want to become a uh, competitive golfer or they might want to become a collegiate golfer. But the neat thing about our program is because they are playing on the golf course and they are shooting scores and we're tracking them to technology, we can actually predict where they're going to be when they graduate high school. um, And if they're ahead or behind a certain goal that they choose, if they want to go play high school Mm. golf or if they want to play college golf, or if they just want to be a recreational golfer, right? We, provide a platform that allows us to have that discussion with the junior. So they're the ones making the decision every step of the way, not the family and the parent. That's awesome. And, um, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's about getting all that down and there's a lot in there. It actually was 300 pages <laughs> that we had a lot of help paring it down. And we said, <laughs> we got to make this a short form so people actually read it. Right. And, uh, and, uh, so it's, it's down to a 90, hundred page book and, 
um, really easy read that you could do on the weekend. But it, it, there's a lot of little aha moments I think parents could grab from in there and a whole section dedicated to how to, you know, how to interact with your junior in a positive way on the golf course. Well, when you write how to create a senior golfer, let me know, okay? <laughs> I will. <laughs> Matt, always a pleasure. It was uh, good to see you up in Chapel Hill. Uh, good to talk with you. And I'll uh, probably touch base again down at the PGA show. That sounds great, Rich. I really appreciate you having me. No problem. Matt Regan of uh, Operation 36, pleasure to be with him. And uh, just a, a great guy with, obviously, a great program. Next up, if you like travel, you're going to like this next interview with Perry Golf's Gordon Daglish. If you want to go on a golf trip, that's where you need to go. And if you want pizza, CJ's is where you want to go. Right on Mallory Street across from Parker's on the island. That's the oldest Italian eatery. Maybe that's because those who have had CJ's one-of-a-kind taste, nothing else will compare. Thin crust, they've got it, but their signature is their deep dish crust, made daily by hand, along with famous hoagies, meatballs, homemade salad dressings, and don't forget about their appetizers, pasta dishes, desserts, and adult beverages. You name it, stop by seven days a week. They open at 4.30. Graham and Ada do a great job. You can call 912-634-2711, and you can order. You can go pick it up, parking outside, or you can have DoorDash help you. You can order on their website, cjsitalianrestaurant.com. Hey, this is Claude Pope, owner of Bald Head Blues clothing brand out of Bald Head Island, North Carolina, and you are listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Our next guest is the president of Perry Golf, Gordon Daglish. Uh, good morning, Gordon, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Rich. Nice to be with you. Uh, so as I've read over your information and have known you for a few years in your company uh, out of Wilmington, North Carolina, why did you and your brother, Colin, start Perry Golf almost 40 years ago? Well, good question. I, uh, I was in the United States at the time at college at William & Mary. In fact, I just graduated. I had over the, my time at William & Mary, I felt as though I'd built up a network of uh, folks in the golf industry because I was involved with the American Junior Golf Association in its starting years. <clears throat> my brother, who was a a very competitive amateur golfer in Scotland, had just graduated from Stirling University. We knew some uh, people in the travel business, thought there was an opportunity. Now, this is 1984, mind you, and uh, the, the, uh, as they say, the rest is history. I've managed to go through life without a job interview or a resume since then. Well, what did you and your brother see in the golf travel business that you guys knew you could do better? Well, you know, I was, as I said, I was in the in the States, uh, thought a network, uh, Colin was in Scotland, and really, you know, I was 22, he was 23 at the time, just felt that we could, you know, I suppose, uh, deliver uh, the, the best possible Scottish golf travel experience. You have to remember that this was before, you know, the internet and email and, and virtual and videos and drones and all that kind of stuff. Right. And so, you know, it was still, you know, the, the, the ability to get good quality information and reliable delivery, I suppose, you know, was still, you know, it was a, it was a brochure that would come through the mail, and and uh, it was a, it was a different time, so it was kind of no more than these reasons that we uh, we saw an opportunity. And obviously, you've expanded from just doing Scottish trips to doing, gosh, quite a bit more, not only by land but also by sea. Yes, we've been been very fortunate. We actually had our first golf cruise was in 1999, although the last 
12 years with uh, Azamara have really been the, the growth period for us. There's actually there's a, an Arabian Gulf voyage uh, embarking tomorrow in Dubai. That will wow. be seven days around the Middle East. And then it will pick back up in uh, January in South Africa. So, uh, yeah, that part of it has, whereas our main business or the original business is very much guys' trips, four, eight guys to the British Isles, <clears throat> the cruise market is 99% as couples. And uh, we, we, we do quite nicely there. And I know COVID hurt a lot of businesses. I'm sure it hurt yours and that industry quite a bit. But has it grown back to where it was or has it exceeded where it was before? It is exceptionally difficult to kind of understate the whiplash effect of uh, COVID and the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I mean, we went for basically two years, uh, 2020 and 21, with 10% of rev of normal revenues because wow. we managed to eke out some travel at the beginning of COVID and at the end of COVID, if you will, uh, in our fiscal year. Uh, the demand that we're seeing and for tw we saw for 22 was exceptional. 23 is just it's 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 certainly as great as 22 was. You know, arguably it's it's greater. Uh, we've started taking bookings for 24. We wow. actually yesterday okay. we pushed out our first you know, voyages with Azamara to, to the South Pacific for January and February of 2025. Seems ridiculous, but there are people booking, you know, three years out just because they're making up for lost time. Yeah. The way I, descri the way I describe it is, you know, our clients who are, you know, they've, they've basically, if they had a 15-year travel time horizon, they've sold their business, they're retired, um, you know, and now they've, they've lost two years of 15 years. They've lost two years of 20 years. It has a meaningful impact on what they foresaw as their future travel, and they're just going to make up for lost time. Hmm. And so what are the most popular golf trips besides Scotland? Oh, there's a good one. Um, you know, so, so to, to your point, uh, Scotland, St. Andrews, that's still the, 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 what drives the bus, if you will, uh, by far and away the, the most popular. Other trips that are popular, Northern Ireland, uh, hmm. Royal County down, Port Rush, you know, a trip up to Northern Ireland with the Open coming back to uh, Port Rush in, in 2025. We will only exaggerate that. Um, but, but Northern Ireland is very popular. Southwest of Ireland uh, also remains popular, kind of the more traditional, better known, the Ballybunion, Lahinchy's old heads of the world. Um, so these would be your, your two kind of or three principal uh, okay. go-to destinations in, in the British Isles. And... What about Italy? Now with the Ryder Cup coming up there next year, Zach Johnson from here being the Ryder Cup captain. What about Italy? Has that become more popular? It's it, 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 that's a very very good question. If you look back at the history of the Ryder Cup, when it went to, for example, uh, Celtic Manor in Wales, uh, and even went to K Club in Ireland, you know, as as destinations, it doesn't for the U.S. market. It doesn't particularly. It gives them profile. But it doesn't assure them of, you know, uh, tourist traffic demand afterwards. If right. that makes sense, right? You know, our, uh, sorry, Italy is a is a is a lovely destination, great destination, does nicely for us. Um, the golf is good, um, the food, the wine, it's the whole experience that really we get terrific feedback on. Um, but it's not going to all of a sudden, you know, uh, because of one golf course with some profile in, in Italy, in the same way that Celtic Manor in Wales didn't do the job in right. Wales, you know, it gains profile for the, for the country. Uh, but I, I, I would say that it doesn't particularly drive the American visitor 
specifically to Italy to play golf. Yeah. It certainly helps, but it's not. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Americans when they travel, they're looking for links courses. They're looking for a bit more history, tradition. That's what we see. That's why the British Isles, you know, just stands head and shoulders above other destinations, whether it be the quality golf courses in Spain and Portugal or France, you know, or Italy. You know, that's that's kind of just where the international golf travel market is. And I think when someone says they want to go abroad and play golf, I mean, obviously the first thing is, oh, you must be going to Scotland. But also England has some great courses. Are you doing a lot of travel to there? Yeah, you know, that's, so as as everywhere else, you know, the kind of the mainstays, if you will, the central belt of Scotland, the Troon, Prestwick, St Andrews, Muirfield, as that filled up, as the southwest of Ireland filled up, as the north of Ireland, you know, you, they started to other other regions of the British Isles, which had excellent golf, but were otherwise sometimes overlooked. And the Lancashire coast of England is a great example of it. You know, you've got three open championship venues in relatively close proximity with right. Kirkdale, uh, Hoylake, and, and Lytham. And that has done exceptionally well. That is, for, for 2023, we think that's ex- essentially full with mm-hmm. the sold-out sign on it. So, yes... Um, we were able to divert some traffic that otherwise might have initially started thinking about Scotland, and then you know it's it's not available. Um, and you know, but here's some, a great option: and the Lancashire coast of England, stay in one hotel, play all these uh, these golf courses. All right, Gordon, how hard is it? I mean, probably for you guys, it's probably a little easier. But how hard is it to get a tee time guaranteed at St Andrews? So. Well, the, the, the Lynx Trust to manage the golf courses at St Andrews, and there's seven of them, the old course being obviously the most famous. I mean, they have an unenviable task because the demand for the old course is so incredibly high. Yeah. I think before you have any discussion, you really have to understand just how much demand there is on it. I mean, honestly, if, if there was 10 old courses, they could probably fill them all quite easily. Um, so we as a company, so there's a variety of channels that the, the Lynx Trust distribute old course times. One of them is through commercial tour operators like ourselves. So we've had a contract with them for a number of years. Uh, we have, you know, reasonably significant uh, available uh, capacity, but so do you know hotels in, in St Andrews and other tour operators. Right. So that's one channel. There's also the direct application that individuals can make back in August and September for the following summer. That's another channel. There's obviously, and then you get into the, the, the ballot and the walk-up, which doesn't fall under the guarantee time. So to your question, how hard is it? Um, I mean, we are currently kind of allocating, if you will, and, and proposals for 2024. And just because the demand for 24 is so great, we're prioritizing that to, for past clients and folks we've done business with in the past. Gotcha. I mean, it's just, it, it's... Uh, it certainly is arguably the hardest public access tea time to get in the world. Hmm. You could certainly make a strong, logical argument that's the case, more so than even Pebble Beach. Wow. And when's the best time if someone to ask you, I want to go to Europe, I want to play golf, and you know, we're saying Scotland, Ireland, England, what's the best time to go? Really kind of late April, early May through the end of September, beginning of October. That's kind that's the would would be the season you know you can if you see the dunhill championships at st andrews dunhill links cup st andrews uh, is usually the first week of uh, october that starts to pretty well kind of bookend the back end of the season on the front end is kind of late april early may um 
height of the season would be July and August. You know, you'll see all the right. you'll see the Open, the Women's Open, the Senior Open, the Scottish Open, the Irish. It all kind of falls in that same kind of six seven week run there in July and right. into early August. So it just kind of it peaks to some extent. But you can travel, and 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 if somebody were to if I were to take a group of friends, I wouldn't have any concern about going from you know the late April that I'm referenced until the early part of October. Right, but. What about November, December, January, February, March? I mean, is it are you kind of just like rolling the dice at that point? Or obviously there could be some good days in there, but you're kind of taking chances, aren't you? Yeah, not, another great question. We have, we've seen in the last year, just because the demand is so great and the availability is so poor at points, right. people asking about the kind of the off-season. The challenge, honestly, is that some of the golf courses – like Royal Troon would be an example, they, they closed to outside play to hmm. protect because the weather in Scotland is such that there's, there's, there's no grass that grows over the winter months. So they, they are careful to protect the golf course for the, the peak season. Right. So you're, you're, you're rolling the dice, with, A, with respect to weather, B, you know, Scotland, the British Isles, is, is well north. You could take the, to give you some context, you could take the British Isles, and if you just move them across the Atlantic, they would sit out inside Hudson Bay up in Canada. So it's well <laughs> north. So the, the right. winter months, you know, make, make up for the summer months with long daylight, and the winter months you have very short right. days. So you might get, you know, it's dark by 4.30 of points. So, you know, I really, unless you just want to go over and enjoy the, 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 the people and the culture and the kind of the ambience, if you will, of Scotland, you know, the winter months would not be the time that I would go uh, with any kind of expectation of enough good weather to play golf. Yeah, you would be able to get a room and eat well, but you might not be able to get out and play. <laughs> you would be welcomed with open arms, but uh, you might be looking out at the rain coming uh, sideways. Yeah, how many trips do you have to choose from? I mean, if you, I mean, I looked online. I mean, it was incredible the choices that you had. Well, I mean, I, I suppose I can't give you an exact number. I mean, the customized uh, part of our business, you know, we'll, we'll have uh, many hundreds of groups that will, you know, it's, it's four guys, it's four couples, and we'll design a trip and execute a trip just for their needs, right. their expectations. Gotcha. You know, on the, cru on the cruise side of things, I think we've got 31 or 32 voyages in 23 and 24 in different parts of the world, from the Mediterranean to the Baltic to the South Pacific, British Isles. Um, and then we've also got half a dozen escorty trips to different countries. Like we'll do two a year to South Africa. There's actually one finishing up in South Africa today on safari. And uh, that's, mo again, more of a couple's product. So we like to think that we've got a fairly robust portfolio that somebody can find something to do uh, during the course of the year if they enjoy golf. Yeah, you bet. Well, we got something to do. we got to take a quick break. We're going to be back with Gordon Daglish with Perry Golf right after this on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Hey, everybody out there. This is Dan Murphy, and thrilled to be on the Back Nine Boys. I am the president and CEO of Bridgestone Golf. Been in the business for about 25 years, and I've learned that Rich Styles and the Back Nine Boys are the way to go. Well, we are the way to go, and we are the way to go. If you want to go, go, go to play golf across the pond, you want to go with Perry Golf, and we're on the phone with Gordon Daglish. And, Gordon, what is the average number of people on a golf trip? And more importantly, I mean, a lot of people have said, what does it cost to go over and play? And I know there's a lot of variables in there, but could you give us an average cost? 
So focusing on the British Isles uh, for a second, there's really kind of there's a spectrum. Okay. Um, on one on one end would be the northwest of Ireland, which has got some excellent golf. The Tom Doak, the new golf course up at, uh, at St Patrick's up at Rossapenna. You get Bally, uh, Bally some variety of golf courses. Gil Hans redid Nairn and Port New. Mm. You can go to the northwest of Ireland, you know, and do it exceptionally well. Spend maybe four and a half thousand dollars uh, in a week with with a driver and a, a group, and really do a, a nice job. You know, similarly, you could go to the central belt of Scotland and play the, the Muirfields and St Andrews and, and Troons, etc., and stay in similar accommodation to what I'm comparing to the northwest of Ireland. Right. And you're now you're you're probably looking at eight and a half thousand. Right. Okay. So you've got a you've got a very significant spread, kind of made up between you know uh, uh, hotels that are more expensive in Scotland, uh, golf courses that are significantly more expensive. Um, so it just kind of depends. If if you just want to go and enjoy the uh, uh, you know the quintessential links golf experience, and you don't care about coming back with a, a Kings Barnes uh, shirt or sweater or an old course shirt or sweater, you know there's a there's a very solid argument you know to go to the likes of Northwest Ireland. Everywhere else, kind of the southwest of Ireland or the Lancashire coast or up in the Highlands of Scotland, right. falls somewhere on the spectrum. Okay, so that kind of that gives you a sense, a sense as to what it is in terms of kind of the group size, on the custom, on the custom side of things. You know, our our core group is A guys. Um, it's I now always feel as though eight is the is the ideal number. Okay. Uh, if you, if you just look at uh, people go for dinner, the minute you bring a ninth chair into the table, the conversation split. Don't yep. ask me why. Yeah. Just seems to split that way. So. Eight is a number that just works nicely. It's a nice group to move around from a, a golfing standpoint. You know, if you're playing there for six days, you're not playing with the same group for six straight days. Right. You're mixing it up. You've got different guys. Right. So uh, that's kind of, to me, the ideal group size. All right. And how far in advance? I know you said you were booking trips in 2024, 25, but usually how far in advance do people have to book trips? The, the challenge is that now there is no usually. <laughs> um, you, you, usually it would have been, you know, again, the, the, the spectrum is, you know, your premium courses, your old course, Muirfield, County Down, Port Rush are your most in demand. Right. And these are the ones that now are starting to get to the 15, 16 months in advance. Wow. Okay. Arguably slightly more. Whereas pre-COVID, they would have been, that would have been a 12-month, 11-month conversation. Okay. Um, we, to, to, to give you some sense as to where the demand is, you know, we stopped accepting new reservations on custom trips to the British Isles for 2023. We did that about three weeks ago. Wow. Because we just, we just don't feel as though there's enough available, with the exception of Northwest Ireland, we just don't feel as though there's enough availability on, on consecutive days to make gotcha. trip work well. Gotcha. Right? Well, you might find a tea time here, a tea time there, but, but it's not going to be the experience that our clients are looking for. Yeah, that you need to have. What's the website, Gordon? PerryGolf.com. You got it. Perry, thank for, uh, Gordon, thank you for being with us. I appreciate your time, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up down at the PGA Show. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. All right, Gordon Daglish. Great. He's with Perry Golf, and if you want to book a trip, you're probably looking at 2024. I may be looking at 2027. We'll see. Anyway, thanks for being with us on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. We appreciate your time. We appreciate you uh, wanting to listen to us. 
Listen to us every week at backnineboys.com, thesuperstations.com, or on YouTube, or wherever you listen to golf podcasts. We appreciate you. Thank you for being with us.